what up, what up? Welcome to Oops All Topics with Jason Edgar. On ice. <laughs> no part of this is on ice, I'm sorry. I am your host for the next hour, excited to be joining you live Thursday, May 14th, 2020. I really know what the date is right now, I'll tell you later. Uh, Oops All Topics is presented by the Oops All Topic Network, reminding you to always lose your fear and find your voice. Follow or DM me on Twitter or Instagram at the Jedger. That's T H E J E D G A R. Follow, share, or download the show at oopsalltopics.podmean.com and subscribe and review on Apple Podcast. Yeah, the reason I know what the date is is because once it gets like really close to your birthday, right? Don't you start knowing what it is? Well, anyways, today is suspiciously close to my birthday. It even rhymes with it. My birthday's the 16th. Today's the 14th. It's like, whoa, getting a little too close for comfort. But anyways, I love me a good birthday podcast. And so today I'm going to blow your minds with the idea that free will is an illusion. But before then, you've got to stomach through my, well, my, the rest of my podcast, if we're being totally honest. But anyways, let's move on to errors and omissions. Um, the Morgan Spurlock um, documentary that I was talking about last week where he li- him and his wife live on minimum wage for 30 days is actually called 30 Days Living on Minimum Wage. Wow. And if I, know, if I, if I recall, this was during a time where he had a show on... Spike TV or FX or something where it was kind of like a documentary series where someone did something for 30 days, right? Like they stopped drinking soda for 30 days or, you know, something to that extent. And I think that was like the first episode and it was like a movie, so on and so forth. So, and proved a point. Minimum wage is terrible. You'd have to live in a really shitty apartment, uh, forget ever going to the hospital, and your diet would be really terrible. So I don't, uh, I don't wish that on anybody. Um, also, we were talking about uh, tiny animals because um, I didn't want to be like this basic bitch that just talked about, you know, the murder hornet. I also wanted to flex my muscle on other animals that were pretty, uh, pretty scary. Uh, and I talked about the Siafu ant. Maybe I'll talk about that later on in other episodes. But I also wanted to talk about something that was probably more uh, scary than even the murder hornet or the Siafu ant. And that is the paper wasp. Yes. Pain is relative. A paper cut may be excruciating to some, while others don't blink an eye. Hence, it is difficult to develop a hard and fast ranking of the most painful insect stings. Not to mention, most people don't have don't volunteer to be stung in order to evaluate the pain it causes. Oh, so this is an article about the Schmidt scale. And apparently, he says that the number one thing you do not want to be stung by is a paper wasp. So if I go to that, let's see what pops up. I See, I thought I had saved that. Um, oh, it looks like it's just right here. All right, and I believe that it is found in America. Um, I want to see exactly where it talks about uh, how how much it hurts to get stung by it. Um, eh, let's just do this one. Paper wasps can be easily identified by the appearance of their nest, which is umbrella-shaped and held by a single comb or pedicel. Uh, unlike yellow jackets, paper wasps nest and open are, and are not completely covered. Common paper wasp species are the European paper wasp and red wasps. So, wow, this was a very boring article. I thought it was going to talk about how scary the paper wasp was. Trust me when I say you want to get, don't want to get stung by it. And I think what the paper wasp does is that it stings you multiple times. So not only is it like painful, but it also does it a n- number of times. 
And the last thing I want to talk about is that I omitted that it was Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Even though there's no way she would ever listen to this podcast. My mom's kind of like that typical mom, you know, she watches soaps, uh, listens to country music, uh, pretty much whatever the, whatever the radio puts up there. And, uh, even trying to get her to watch like a new TV show or something is really tough. Uh, she loves family feud, right? Um, and I guess that can transition into our watch list because what I want to uh, have her watch whenever we go visit next week uh, is this show called 90 Day Fiance. And uh, we started season six last night, the one with Larissa and Colt. And uh, I'll probably keep you up to date on that. Uh, so far in the first few episodes or the first episode, it really just kind of sets the stage. There's really not a lot of uh, fireworks. It's whenever they first meet these individuals. Not meet them, but get face-to-face is whenever things start getting spiraling out of control. I recommend anybody uh, who has lots of time on their hands and loves Guilty Pleasure TV, um, 90 Day Fiance, and really any derivative of that. Probably not Pillow Talk to start. Uh, You want to do either 90 Day Fiance, uh, NDF the other way, or NDF before the NDF. (laughs) Oh, my. Um, and then uh, upon the advice of our uh, one of our one of my biggest fans, Joseph McGee, he told me to start watching the Michael Jordan documentary and stop being speculative about it. And I think I know why, because even my, my man, Colin Cowherd, says that the reason that uh, his dad uh, uh, was murdered was not because of some sort of uh, gambling conspiracy. And I probably shouldn't tout that on my uh, nationally syndicated radio program here. Uh, but I started watching it and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, let me tell you, uh, as a cord cutter, uh, I, you lose access to ESPN and I, I love ESPN to the extent that I just watch part of the interruption. I'm not been like a sports center guy. I can't remember the last time I watched sports center, but a lot of people my age, that's what you watched in seventh and eighth grade. Um, but this documentary seems to be really uh, like kicking it, and uh, I we've watched the first two episodes. They're really good. I'll talk more about it here in a second. I thought I wrote down Scotty Pippen. Um, yeah, so we did start it. Uh, the second episode kind of starts with uh, Scotty Pippen and why uh, he was so important to Michael Jordan's um, uh, career. Uh, they called him kind of like the trash man, where it's like if somebody were to like get in Michael's face or you know knock him down while he's dunking the ball or something, Pippen can just get in there and just give a nice elbow and boom, kind of like an enforcer, so to speak. Um, they also show a lot of Michael Jordan's early years, uh, even that one season where they were uh, they were the eight seed against the Celtics, and he literally scored a hundred points in two separate games, and that was tough to do against the Celtics, and uh, and lost the series still. You don't remember those, right? Everyone seems to think that Michael Jordan was in the it was in the league for six years, and uh, and especially this is especially whenever they compare him to LeBron James, where they completely forget the first like little decade that he was in the in the league, where he got his ass kicked because he was was he was in Chicago and nobody wanted to go there. Um, he led like he was he was one of the best players, but again, you need four other people to run the team. LeBron learned that in, in Cleveland. Um, and so, and, and I didn't even know he was injured for an entire year, man. I, I mean, because again, even like someone who was like my age, like sixth, seventh grade, whenever he starts getting really good and, and winning championships, that's what you remember. You don't remember the years where uh, he did not win the championships, or at least it's tough to remember. All right, let's move on to. We're kind of already on current events since we're talking about the uh, since we're talking about the Michael Jordan documentary, the one content everybody's watching during the uh, the pandemic and the shutdown 
And uh, as far as the Corona Corner is concerned, I think this is the week. A couple of things happened. I was thinking about it the, uh, the other day. The first one is like, it's just everything's like up in the air now as far as like, are things shut down? Uh, can people go out? Like, things are kind of starting to quote, get back to normal where it's like, it's not a shutdown. We don't know quite what it is, but this is the new normal, right? This was also the week where it kind of started feeling like life as we knew it before March 15th is probably not going to go back to the way it was. Even my wife was saying like, uh, well, you know, I, I think it's going to be uh, okay to wear masks for the next year or so, and I'm totally fine with that. Like, what do you have to do? You have to put your mask in your car, and anytime you go into a place, put your mask on, okay? It's not that difficult in the age of COVID, okay? And you know who is doing all these uh, all these masks now? White House staffers, okay? Because because the because in during the week where we're finally starting to see things open up, that's it gets really close to Trump, right? Like we have three now White House staffers uh, that have the coronavirus, and a lot of them have been in close contact with Mike Pence. Now, remember whenever uh, Trump was first starting in that first year or so, maybe you saw some sort of like documentary about Trump where he said like there was like a button he could push and somebody would bring him a Diet Coke. Well, that person is like his personal valet and he has the coronavirus. So if he puts that COVID-19 on Trump's, uh, you know, Diet Coke, oh boy, oh boy, we might have a sick president here soon. Uh, unemployment topped 28% this week and folks we're living history right now like they are going to write in in the history books they are going to write about this time in history okay and I've said this to a number of people where it's like look at the food banks look at uh, look at stuff on social media and, and, and GoFundMes and things like that and the hospitals being overworked and things like that and like the very first stages of this of this pandemic this is not messing around. There's never, ever been a time, not even, they probably canceled games on 9-11, but they started having games like the very next day. America doesn't shut down, and we've been shut down for like eight weeks, and when they say that the unemployment rate is at Great Depression levels, here's what the sad part is. It's easy to see, right? Like, like as mentioned, the food banks are overrun with people. Um, the one in four people do not have a job right now, and that's not going to go away anytime soon. Um, you may not be affected by this, or you're affected by it by just a little bit, but trust me when I say that there are other people that are totally affected by this, and uh, and it's it's going to bring up bring about some real change, right? I think one industry that's going to be way different is the um, is the restaurant industry. Uh, for starters, uh, we were talking about any restaurant that was kind of like on the edge of closing or was right on the margins, you're gone. Like there's no way that you're going to be able to take 10 weeks of doing nothing but takeout orders. You're probably not going to come back. And that sucks, right? That's going to be a void that's going to be left. And those are jobs that could have been, um, that could have been had. Uh, what else is there going to be? Uh, well, I mean, what, what about buffets? Like, do you even envision a day where you're going to go to a buffet ever again? <laughs> And I'm not so sure I'm ever going to make my own soda ever again. Like, the, 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 the fast food places are the ones that are making my fountain drinks. And, folks, let me tell you, I love me a good fountain drink. I think I've had two today. i got a Sonic drink right next to me. But I, it's been two months since I've made my own fountain drink, and that's because I live in liberal Chicago. But still, things are changing. This is the new normal, and you have to face that. 
if you haven't already. Um, when this first thing, when this thing first started, I was always talking about how you don't hear a lot from Russia, and well, now we're starting to hear that uh, Russia is having some issues. Uh, they're having their 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 state-run media is having a hard time covering it up, and I mean, Trump is running into this problem as well because it he's bringing up Obama these days. He went on like a Twitter rant over Mother's Day, and we're actually going to play some of it uh, here in a minute, but like. It doesn't matter if you're an authoritarian or a fascist or the most moderate uh, prime minister there is. This this virus calls the shots, okay? So sorry, Kim Jong-un, or sorry, Vladimir Putin, or even Donald Trump, if you want to spin the information. But when the unemployment rate is at 28% and 80,000 people have died due to the coronavirus in the United States, people are going to notice. And whenever you start talking about Obama, they're going to get pissed off. Uh, this week was when Fauci uh, testified in front of the Senate, and he said that opening up too quickly would be disastrous because of science. And and who said that you weren't the end-all, be-all? Is that Rand Paul? Folks, I'm so sick of Rand Paul. Like, Kentucky, what is up with you? Your two senators are Rand Paul and Mitch McConnell. I can't think of two more despicable individuals besides Susan Collins in our United States Senate. What do you mean Dr. Fauci isn't the end-all? He is the director of infectious disease and allergies and things like that. He could literally track your allergies, Rand Paul. And what did you do? You won a popularity contest in Kentucky? That's kind of telling. Listeners out there, what would you rather be? The director of a super smart health organization or a senator from Kentucky? Like... (laughs) I can't even believe that people like him even get to talk to Dr. Fauci. Um, I really want to transition into Trump talk, so we might just skip bright side of COVID today and just tell you uh, pet adoptions are up. I don't have any evidence to to, to set, speculate that or even to confirm that. Maybe I'll bring it up in my errors and omissions next time. You know what? Let me just type that in right now. Um but I really want to uh, transition into uh, the uh, the segment we call Trump Talk during current events. And this is going to be the mask edition because there's two masks um, that uh, that have kind of been brought up this week. And they're, and they're two totally different stories. And the first one is simply Trump not wearing a mask. And here's the thing, folks. When you're not wearing a mask in 2020, you're against science. Okay? That's just the long and short of it. Okay? Like... Why not wear a mask? Okay, because it, it because it's irritating. Well, you know what else is irritating? Your response to the coronavirus. And maybe just maybe, if your response was a little bit better, and you didn't dismantle Obama's global initiative and for infectious diseases, maybe we wouldn't have to wear a mask. But somewhere down the line, you dropped the ball, Trump, and now we all have to wear masks, just to be sure. Okay. So whenever I wear a mask, I'm promoting science and also kind of telling people, I, you know, I have to wear this because our administration is total trash. All right. But secondly, um, Trump is outraged at Obama. Maybe you've heard this hashtag this weekend, Obamagate, which makes literally zero sense. Okay. And in fact, it makes so, so little sense that it's going to be my list segment during the current events. And I'm going to go down what necessarily Trump is uh, is getting on to Obama about and what Obamagate actually is, okay? 
So anyways, as you know, Trump, or I'm sorry, Russia interfered in our election. Yay, in 2016, right? So what does a President Barack Obama do? Well, he sees that Russia interferes in our elections and he whoosh, slaps them with sanctions. Okay. Now, normally, whenever we slap Russia with sanctions, they retaliate with sanctions of their own or, you know, they might send out some rhetoric out there. But this time, Russia doesn't respond. Now, why is that? Why in late 2016 did Russia not respond to Obama's sanctions? This confuses Obama. So what does Obama do? Obama says, all right, look, we need to see who's. <laughs> That's my Obama impression. All right, look. I can say, all right, look, and then it kind of falls off the rails there. But anyways, Obama wants to tap into uh, ambassador phone calls and see, you know, what's up. What, what, is, what is the scuttlebutt between the United States and, uh, and, and Russia right now? And, and come to find out that an individual is telling Russia not to worry about Obama sanctions because once Trump gets in there, he's going to take off those sanctions. And that's pretty much illegal right it's pretty much saying russia you can fuck with america and we're not going to and we're going to be fine with it okay so obama basically tells trump not to hire this person and you know who this person is michael flynn literally conducting espionage against america america first when you're letting russia interfere in our elections that's pretty much america last you dumb pieces of shit Okay, Obama literally tells Trump during that handshake in the Oval Office, you probably shouldn't hire Michael Flynn because he's bad news. Trump does. He does eventually get caught, pleads guilty to the crime, and both Trump and Pence say yes. Michael Flynn is guilty of this crime, and he's literally about to go to jail if he was supposed to go to jail. And then the Justice Department, i.e. William Barr, drops the charges. Now, how on earth do you drop charges against a man who is guilty of a crime? The only answer is if you're trying to dismantle the Mueller investigation that, that, that wanted to investigate Russia interfering in our elections, if you wanted to drill down that investigation brick by brick, do you see how it's all tied? together and how long did I talk about that for like three and a half minutes I could have talked about coronavirus that that entire time so that is the quote-unquote crime that Trump is accusing Obama of and it's pretty much ridiculous for the for the most part but also I want it this is the new thing that I'm gonna do during Trump talk I'm gonna start my I'm gonna start my phone playing a message that Trump so that, that basically his own words on what Obama is accused of. And it may work over the air. It may not. If it doesn't work, then I'll stop this. But I literally want you to tell you in Trump's words what Obama is accused of. Ready? In three, two, one. Mr. President, in one of your Mother's Day tweets, you appear to accuse President Obama of the biggest political crime in American history by far. Those were your words. What crime exactly are you accusing President Obama of committing, and do you believe the Justice Department should prosecute him? Uh, Obamagate. It's been going on for a long time. It's been going on from before I even got elected, and it's a disgrace that it happened. And if you look at what's gone on, and if you look at now all of this information that's being released, and from what I understand, that's only the beginning. Uh, some terrible things happened, and it should never be allowed to happen in our country again. And you'll be seeing what's going on over the next, over the coming weeks. But I, and I wish you'd write honestly about it. But unfortunately, you choose not to do so. Yeah, John, please. Um, what? 
I mean, what in the literal fuck is he talking about? Email me, please, or drop me a direct message on Twitter or Instagram. Lord knows I push it enough. And tell me what crime Obama is committed of. And you got to get it. You got to weed it out of what, what Trump just said. Oh, my God. My lands. We're back live, by the way. And once again, you're listening to Oops All Topics with Jason Edgar, part of the Oops All Topics Network. Uh, follow or DM me on Twitter or Instagram at the Jedgar. Follow, share, or download the show at oopsalltopics.podbean.com and subscribe and review on Apple Podcast. Let's wrap up. Let's wrap up current events with Biden. My time. Um, I mean, what a quiet week for Joe Biden. It looks like Trump wants to bash Obama anyways. And Obama has a 60% positive rating with the country, right? Remember last week when I said we can't agree on anything? We kind of agree that Obama's a pretty good dude. It's 60%, right? And, and, and what 40% are we missing? Probably the Trump supporters, okay? So right there, 6 in 10 people support Obama, 4 in 10 people support Trump. So you tell me. So anyways... Um, two things about who's the VP. I, I'm, I'm starting to hear more and more people say that Kamala Harris uh, is, is going to be like the, v, uh, the vice presidential candidate. And again, I think this is a terrible choice, not because she's not great. I think she's fantastic. She's one of my favorite senators, if freaking Rand Paul is my least favorite senator. But she's not going to carry California. It's already carried. you got to pick somebody who's going to carry a state like Whitmer or, uh, or Klobuchar. Um, but here's what I think Biden is thirsty for. I think he wants to see Kamala Harris destroy Mike Pence in the vice presidential debate. And sure, that would happen, but it means literally nothing. Hillary Clinton and uh, what's his name, Tim Kaine, went 4-0 and in the debates against Trump and who won the election. So debates, and this is coming from a debate coach, doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things. All right. So anyways, let's transition to weird science. All right, Uh, let's see here. There's two more things that I want to talk about before I jump in there. Don't let me forget about Groundhog Day. I'll talk about that later on. Uh, But anyways, I'm not sure if this is weird science or not, Um, but it's very interesting, if you will. Okay, because this past week we and I and I listened to the Joe Rogan podcast whenever uh, Elon Musk was on there. But Elon Musk's literally named his baby X Ash A12. And the Ash part is actually an A and an E combined. So it almost looks like a computer code. And that's the name of his baby. So you know how I like to welcome new dads. And it's like, welcome your newborn son, X Ash A12. He said A12 was his portion because that's the name of his favorite jet. And again, I why, how can I argue? You know, me and Jess, we really wanted the num uh, to name Frankie uh, seven forty seven, uh, but we decided the name after her after her father, anyways. So, anyways, um, but here's the interesting thing: Elon Musk's baby name isn't just weird; it may be against California regulations. Uh, even tech billionaires occasionally get tripped up by the rules. In the case of Tesla chief executive Elon Musk, he may need to rethink the name of his new baby boy X Ash A twelve. Is that, who, is that where we're going, folks? 
Musk announced Monday that he and his girlfriend, singer Grimes, is that just her name, Grimes, had welcomed a baby son and given it a name that he broke down how to correctly pronounce during an interview with podcast host Joe Rogan this week. He identified the second character as Ash, saying it was pronounced X-Ash A-12. But here in California, where Musk lives, allows only the 26 English letters of the alphabet to be used on birth certificates, along with a limited list of special characters, including apostrophes, hyphens, and periods. That means no numbers or ash symbols. So, you know what, Elon Musk? I encourage you to have uh, that terribleness right there because you opened up the Tesla factory against California's orders and you kind of feel Trumpy these days and you smoked weed on the Joe Rogan podcast and it was really weird and I just don't know how I feel about Elon Musk, okay? He's the CEO of Tesla, fantastic, great, trying to save the environment. But also, he kind of seems like he's a little bit uh, thirsty for the uh, uh, for profits. And no liberal I know says profits over people. All right. A very quick weird science. Um, is there anything else I wanted to talk about there? Uh, because there's going to be some weird science in the uh, in the feature discussion. Uh, where I talk about free will. But before we get to that discussion, I hope you have free will to choose Morton College because that's our presenting sponsor this week. Did you know that Morton Coffer, <laughs> Morton Coffer, Morton College offers 17 associate's degrees in applied sciences, five transfer program degrees, and 40 career certificates? I want you to remember that. Uh, those career certificates are including programs like forklifting, pharmacy, welding, and vet tech. Not to mention the number one nursing program in the Chicagoland area during a pandemic. Morton College is excited to offer, are you listening to this? Day, evening, online, and hybrid courses during, oh my God, can you believe this? The fall, summer, and spring semesters to meet the demands of your busy schedule or not busy schedule. Meet, we'll meet the demands of a not busy schedule as well. So, and here's why I wanted you to remember it. Whether you're looking to transfer to a four-year school, which, hey, we're going to be cheaper than a four-year school, or you want to earn credits towards your career, you just want to go straight to your career, Morton College has the classes and schedule for you. So, for more info, call 708-656-8000, or look them up on Facebook, or simply visit their website at morton.edu, all right? And it doesn't matter if you live in Arkansas, South Carolina, Oklahoma, go to Morton College because you can take their classes online, especially this summer where all their classes are going to be online. All right, folks, I am extremely excited about our feature discussion because um, it's something that I have been uh, boasting about over the past few weeks, saying next week we're going to talk about free will, we're going to have our debate about free will, but come to find out that my research on this subject took way longer than I thought. Um, so I finally wrapped it up right around the time of my birthday and I wanted to have a discussion that you as a human have no free will. Okay. This isn't up for the discussion. This isn't, well, it is up for discussion, but, uh, a one-sided discussion. And it's not the, uh, segment that I call I'm torn. I simply believe that you don't have free will and it's okay because I don't either. All right. Um, I am getting most of my information from a, a modern-day philosopher named Sam Harris. Um, he is a very, very um, smart, uh, thoughtful, great public speaker, just somebody that I 
totally look up to whenever it heat whenever you combine science reasoning and just charisma uh, look him up if i'm not mistaken he's the author of waking up uh, the podcast waking up but he's also also the author of a book called free will it's kind of like more of like a pamphlet or a sundry <laughs> and uh and i'm going to be talking about his book free will uh, during this discussion but also kind of inserting my little nuggets as well all right and I'll probably read most of this just because it's so dense. But anyway, anyways, um, I wanted to talk about how free will is the illusion that you have a choice in the matter that is your life. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, do you have a choice whenever you get up out of bed and go out into the world? Sure, you chose to go to Taco Bell for lunch, but in reality, you needed to do it at that exact time, and certain nutritional needs at that moment precipitated Taco Bell to sound, for some reason, incredibly delicious. More than likely, it's the sugar involved. So, anyways, even simply picking your favorite, uh, your, your favorite fast food chain you really didn't have nothing to do with that. You needed certain nutritional benefits at that time, and you simply needed to eat as you were driving by. So besides eating, here's some of the things that you can't do. Uh, you can't stop eating. You can't stop breathing. You can't stop your heart from beating. Uh, you can't not urinate or defecate. You're always shitting. In some instances, you can't even get up your phone or skip your morning cup of caffeine. So what I'm saying there is like you just simply can't give up your phone. Just like, hey, give me your phone for a day and a half. You probably couldn't do it. And you probably can't skip your morning cup of coffee or soda, right? I know I certainly can't. Uh, you have to sleep no matter how much you even, no matter how much you try to stay awake, you're going to, you're going to have to sleep. And to make it even more specific to right now, you can't wish away the disease. You can't say, Oh, I hope I don't get COVID. You might get COVID. All right. You might get cancer, right? Some of our listeners have had and beat cancer. Um, you can't just wish away a disease because you don't want to get it. All right. So according to Sam Harris, without free will, sinners and criminals would be nothing more than poorly calibrated clockwork and any conception of justice that emphasized punishment, punishing them rather than deterring rehabilitation or merely containing them would appear utterly incongruous. So basically, all we're saying here is that uh, it's not in harmony, right? The stakes are high that we have free will. I'm even going to talk about a Supreme Court decision later on. People want to believe they have free will, and that's what makes free will an illusion. If we don't have free will, then that means criminals are not in control of their actions. Uh, why, but, and, but why even rob a bank, right? Because, because you want to pay your bills? Rich people aren't robbing banks, so poor people are robbing banks not because they want to rob banks and they're simply criminals and they're villains, they probably need to pay their bills and put food in their bellies because why? They have to eat. What does Buddhism say about free will? Well, your idea that you have free will, you need to let it go because you don't have it and neither does anybody else. It's totally, totally uh, equal in that regard. There's no, like Bill Gates doesn't have free will just because he has a lot of money or Warren Buffett or Elon Musk or a A12 or like what's X-Ash A12. X-Ash A12 doesn't have uh, free will. So now we're going to do a thought experiment. 
uh, let's say that there's a new killer, and he's called the coronavirus killer, where he offers at-home testing for COVID, and once he gets into your house, he violently murders you and your family. Thankfully, he's only accomplished his vicious, vicious crime twice, leaving eight people dead, but upon analysis, the killer has a brain tumor that is pressing on the nerve center for compulsion, and thus, his murderous tendencies... That's, he, that's why he's ca uh, causing all these murders. Is that his fault? Think of the beginning of the behavioral anal analyst unit that is depicted in CBS's Criminal Minds and is the origin story of Mindhunter on Netflix. What if childhood trauma takes place early in life and later in life a triggering event results in a murder? Do you blame that person who did it because of their trauma? You can't think about it long enough because it cooks your noodle, right? That's the reason why that's the reason why both Mindhunter and, and Criminal Minds, they don't call them criminals or killers. They call them unsubs, unknown subjects, because it's not right to simply call them a killer because maybe it's been predicated on something else that happened to them in the future and actually they themselves are a victim. Moral intuitions change dramatically based on the circumstances and let's do a list of five individuals in fiction that were based on circumstances acted the way they did how about walter white why did he become heisenberg he had cancer and he lived in america where we have a terrible health care system certainly don't have free will when it comes to cancer what about one of aaron's favorite um uh, villains mr freeze mr freeze isn't just a bad guy isn't he pissed off because his wife is dying and he's trying all these scientific things because he wants to save his wife that's not a bad villain Stephen King says the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So I'm not saying that Stephen King is a bad person, but whenever you're a villain, chances are you're doing it for good intentions. My favorite uh, TV show, Dexter, one of my favorite TV shows, he has an urge from childhood trauma that he cannot control. And last but not least, Batman. We all know the origin story. Batman's parents were murdered right in front of him, and that's why he's Batman. Batman has no free will either. So with what's been said, my conclusion is that free will is an illusion. You have no choice. We are not aware of our bodily functions that occur at any moment. Like, you can't control your fart, even if I can't hear it, okay? So either our wills are determined by prior causes, and thus we're not responsible, or they are the product of chance, and guess what? You're not responsible. So guess what? Now today, since you've learned that free will is an illusion, guess what? You're not res you're you're kind of not responsible anymore. You still should act responsible, but trust me when I say, you don't have anything that forces you to be responsible. The popular conceptions of free will seem to rest on two assumptions: that each of us could have behaved differently than we did in the past, and that we are the conscious source of most of our thoughts and actions in the present. Right? Okay, so I have two responses to this. Number one, okay, then why didn't you act differently in the past? Why did you choose? Do you have regret for something that you did in the past? You shouldn't have regret in the past because you were acting the exact way that you were supposed to act. Were you masking your feelings? Well, you don't have free will to choose to mask your feelings. That's all I'm trying to say. Or number two, 
No, you're not because of certain things you can't control. So you're not the author. And it's from here on out, it's going to be kind of like a theme of this feature discussion is this void that thoughts come out of. Okay, here's the neuroscience. And this, this could be weird science. The physiologist Ben Labette famously used EEG machines. You know those machines that kind of look like the unemployment rate, right? Kind of shows like almost looks like a heart monitor, but it's your brain. Uh, he used EEG to show the activity in the brain's motor cortex can be detected some 300 milliseconds before a person feels that he has decided to move. Game set match right here. You don't have free will because your brain is acting, what was that, 300 milliseconds before your decision to even do what you were going to do. Here's the translation. There's a little Congress in your brain, and they are arguing and making decisions within milliseconds of you knowing it. That's wild, and also proves you aren't in control of your thoughts or actions. Sometimes you're conservative, liberal, moderate, but this brain activity is not the will of you. It's all about staying alive, trying to procreate, defecate, have some sex. That's what the procreation is, and that's it, okay? Don't ever forget that just because you're being able to put names on buildings, Donald Trump, that you are a monkey just trying to eat and poop and have sex. Okay, I told you I was going to cook your noodle. So what is your next thought? You don't know what it's going to be. It might even be a headache or an unjarred memory. When you are trying to meditate, do you have a hard time thinking about nothing? Where is the freedom in that? Right? And that's why meditation has to take practice because your brain is a void that's just constantly throwing things at you. All right. You experience nirvana when you can finally relax that brain. Our sense of free will results from a failure to appreciate this. We do not know what we intend to do unless the intention itself arises. To understand this is to realize that we are not the authors of our thoughts and actions in the way that people generally presume. So I guess what he's trying to say is to stop arguing that you have free will because you don't and focus more on delivering the attentions as they arrive. And Sam Harris puts it best this way. You're not controlling the storm and you're not lost in it. You are the storm. That could be like motivation, right? I still got a lot to go. Um, some people say that it's okay, you can still make decisions and still agree that you don't have free will. This is called compatibilism, and the way to describe this is a puppet is free so long as he loves his strings, right? So imagine Pinocchio. Does Pinocchio have free will? So what compatibilism is saying is that Pinocchio says, of course I don't have free will because I love my strings. Compatibilism is the belief that free will and determinism are mutually compatible and that it is possible to believe in both without being logically inconsistent. I believe our guy Sam Harris here says, no, you can't. Basically, I feel like I have free will even though I definitely don't. All right. So sure, you can say that you know you don't have free will, but you also still believe that you're making decisions. And I'm like, okay, Pinocchio. Compatibilist, compatibilist also think you can have both, free will and choice, or the idea in the past that you could have done otherwise. Now think about that for a moment, or any time you have ever said, I could have acted differently. You should be saying, you should have acted differently with the advantage of insight, but you don't ever know what you're going to do in the future. Oh, oh my.
At this moment, you are making tons of unconscious decisions with organs other than your brain, but these are not the events for which you feel responsible. Are you producing red blood cells and enzymes at this moment? Your body is doing these things, of course, but if it decided to do otherwise, you would be the victim of these changes rather than their cause. How long have I been speaking? Oh, just 40 minutes? That's not too bad. Okay, so that gets a little bit more of the physiological aspect of it where it's like, oh, you have free will. Okay, stop making red blood cells. Stop making enzymes. Sidebar. We talked about choosing Taco Bell earlier. Of course you need to eat, but what influenced you to go to Taco Bell that day? That's a whole other show. We're going to talk about influence because influence also says that you don't have free will and that other people know this and influence you to to eat their food. I think like the most common example of this is like McDonald's sign being red and yellow, which kind of like whenever you see that and you're hungry, it kind of influences you to go eat there. You also don't have free will in that extent, but that goes another that goes another level where it's like someone's influencing you to go there. I will talk about that in a later show. People generally confuse determinism with fatalism and gives rise to questions like, well, if everything is predetermined, why do anything at all? This is confusion and also hilarious considering if you do nothing, you will eventually shit your pants, right? Try- <laughs> Or pee your pants. Uh, to sit back and to sit back and see what happens is itself a choice, right? Because what if you were to say, "Well, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing." Well, that's free. That's not free will, because that that message that came out of the void, you didn't come up with that. If you decide to just fly out of the seat of your pants and literally run into traffic, that is a choice. It's also simply difficult. Tr- that's what's difficult. Try to just lay in bed all day. Okay, you can't even pee or poop. Try it. You will find yourself with the impulsion to go out and do something. Okay, that's one end of the spectrum. And the other end of the spectrum is how many buildings can you build and put your name on, right? So Donald Trump, once again, he's the opposite of Buddhism and he's also the opposite of free will. Like he does, he just like everybody else, he doesn't have free will, but at least he just doesn't just sit in his room and stew about it. He goes out and he does stuff. And maybe this is another sidebar, but what really pushes Donald Trump to do his thing is what psychologists call our ego. And maybe one episode we'll break down ego, superego, and id. So whether you like it or not, your next thought or emotion comes out of darkness and you really had nothing to do with its existence. If you pay attention with how things simply come into being, it's very quite mysterious. Each day seems like there are new struggles that you couldn't possibly thought would have been an issue yesterday, big or small. So kind of like two things here. This morning, for whatever reason, like I always go to a grocery shop in the morning. I do Instacart every morning. And Jess decided this morning she wanted to go with me, like get Frankie ready and go go into the truck and do everything. And it was so different than what I've normally done. But again, it happened, right? And yesterday, I didn't think that that was going to happen, or at least it never came up and uh, conjured up in my memory or in my brain, right? But another thing in here is that I have got to have a running list of my bills, but the bills aren't the same every single month, right? Like you're just kind of going about your day and then suddenly your engine goes kaput and you have to spend $4,000 on a new engine. You don't have $4,000, so you have to open up a new line of credit and next thing you know, you have to 
have a new bill that you didn't even know you were aware of even a month ago. I'm sure Aaron's aware of this. If you've ever listened to his show, he was once diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and had cancer. Well, like, he didn't choose that that one day. He didn't say, like, the next day, oh, I have free will, so I'm going to get cancer. And so whether like it's the disease or whether it's your personal economy, just things just simply change and there's no way that you could just set out about every day and and do the exact same thing every day. Just life is wild and it's going to throw you curveballs every single day. This sort of explains the reason why stories and let's just say long form podcasts like this with no edits are interesting because I myself don't have free will on my tone of voice, on my body language. Like I know you can't see me right now, but I'm doing like these grandiose gestures. I don't even know why I'm doing those gestures because I don't have free will. The reason they're interesting is because the person in the story or the person talking has no control on what comes next. Maybe this is the reason why social media is interesting. What made you post that? What made you say that you were at the pizza restaurant last night, like Chuck E. Cheese, and you wanted to tag yourself in a post? Did you Do you know what, what, what you're going to post tomorrow? I have these called latergrams, but again, what made me do that latergram? At what time are you going to post? Will there be a filter or a hashtag? Even if you plan your post, where did that plan come from? The darkness, my little storm cloud. I think that's what I'm going to call my listeners. I'm not going to call them oopsies anymore. I'm going to call them the storm because that's what they are. They're a big old storm that doesn't know where they're going to go next. We are free to interpret or reinterpret the meaning of our lives. You can consider your first marriage, which ended in divorce, to be a failure. God, hitting a little below the belt there, Sam Harris. Or you can view it as a circumstance that caused you to grow in ways that were crucial to your current happiness. Okay, so look at it like this. You didn't have a terrible first marriage. You had a learning experience, right? And I had an ex-girlfriend who I followed on Instagram where it was like once we broke up, what'd she do the next day? She went out and went for a walk, right? Kind of clears your head to an extent, right? So you can kind of see like, look, the past three or four years wasn't a failure. It was a learning experience and I should grow from it and move on. Where did I, where did I leave off? Does this interpretation require free will? I don't think so. It simply suggests that different ways of thinking have different consequences. Thoughts can be depressing, but they can also be inspiring. So at the point where you don't have free will, that can be kind of freeing because you can say, hey, since I don't have free will, this part of my life doesn't have to be shit. I can turn it into positive. Kind of seems Buddhist. In life, you have your sweet and you have your sour. Since it's a guarantee that there are going to be sour days, you might as well find the bright side of those days. That's why we have the bright side of COVID, and I didn't even know that. This next part I have labeled as big and is pretty much the crushing blow of anyone who thinks they have free will. Are you ready? 
According to Sam Harris, you did not pick your parents or the time you were born or the place you were born. You didn't choose your gender or most of your life experiences. You had no control whatsoever on your genome or the development of your brain. And now that same brain is making choices on the basis of preferences and beliefs that have been hammered into, into it over a lifetime by your genes, your physical development since the moment you were conceived and the interactions you have had with other people, events, and ideas. Where in the hell is the freedom in that? Yes, you are free to do whatever you want right now, but where does that desire come from? So he just puts the nail in the coffin right there, where, right, where it's like, I can just say right now, you couldn't pick your parents, you couldn't choose that you were born in Aurora, Missouri, or Aurora, Illinois, or wherever the bumfuck Egypt you were born. You didn't choose your gender, and think about how terrible boys and girls feel whenever they're transgendered and they want to change their gender, right? They, they, they're saying that they're like... I feel like I'm this, but I'm actually that, right? Well, there's no free will in that either. So free will is kind of like the end of space. Like, where does space end, right? Like, imagine if you can get into a ship and go to the very end of space, and you're scratching a wall. What's on the other side of the wall? At that proverbial ending, what is on the other side? Maybe it's more like the beginning of the Big Bang. Go Get into a time machine. Go to the very beginning of the Big Bang where apparently life began. What's on the other, other side of that? What happened before the Big Bang? Your idea of free will is a lot like that. You chose to have Chick-fil-A. Uh-oh, it's Sunday and the company is closed. You want it Monday? Is it because you're hungry during lunchtime? And why do you like chicken in the first place? Deep fried in peanut oil. Is it because your parents fed it to you? Holy shit. And where did the thought of CFA and Chick-fil-A even come from? Just like the other side of space and the Big Bang, your next thought came from utter darkness that you had no control over. You start to think about it. You start to think about your lack of freedom more and more, and it starts to become depressing. But here's the thing. You are going to do whatever it is you do, and it is meaningless to assert that you could have done otherwise, right? Like That's the reason why there's no reason why you should regret anything. Well, it sounds weird whenever I say it like that, but genuinely have no regrets because you acted the way you were going to act. Well, okay, so who am I Who am I kowtowing to right now? Maybe somebody who committed a crime, a violent crime, and I'm saying have no regrets, the reason that person shouldn't have any regrets is because maybe they had previous trauma in their life and another trauma triggered the trauma to have them murder somebody. Let's have some more weird science here. One study found that having subjects read an argument on free will made them more likely to cheat on an upcoming exam, right? <laughs> That's crazy. So someone's going to listen to this podcast, realize they have no free will, and they're just going to cheat on the rest of their test. I didn't want that. Another study found subjects given evidence that free will doesn't exist made them less helpful and more aggressive. Uh, both of these articles were published in Psychology Science, 2008, and Personality and Social Psychology Bulletin, 2009. So for me, I don't mind the idea that I don't have free will, and I find great joy in informing and debating people that they don't have free will. That's Jason talking here. I had an argument with my friend Aaron Kosherek one time a few years ago, and I boiled everything he ever did down to just peacocking to get laid. And even having that impromptu discussion, it was so crazily weird how accurate my argument fit. Because he was talking about, well, who taught me to be a singer? And I was like, well, your parents are creative. 
creative and you sing because you want a peacock and you want to get laid so you can have children and procreate. He's like, oh yeah, well, I'm just going to start growing my beard out. Okay, well, women are attracted to beards and that's, you probably understand that and you're trying to get laid and procreate. Like I'm telling you, when you really boil down your life, I'm talking to you listeners, you don't have free will. Because everything you do is to either pee, poop, have sex, or breathe, or eat, or drink. Losing a belief in free will did not make me fatalist. In fact, it makes me feel like I actually have more feelings of freedom. It's sort of like a train ride, and you're not the conductor. And I've ridden on a train before for a really long time. Trust me when I say it. That's a time for that's a discussion for another day. When you're on a train. You just sit back and you enjoy the ride. And I chose a train because trains very rarely ever get into an accident. So I didn't want to say get into a car with another person because that could lead into an accident. But a train ride, like you're not the conductor. You don't know the conductor. And in some instances, you don't even know where you're going or where you're at. You're just enjoying the ride. And that's the way that you should approach life knowing that you don't have free will. Here's a social advantage, right? So let's just say this is a policy you now enact. Here's advantage one. Being hangry is a thing. Great business meetings happen over lunch. If you, if, if you, if you find yourself mad, maybe it's not the situation you're in. Maybe you just need to eat. Knowing this allows you to steer a more intelligent course throughout your life, okay? I once had a girlfriend who woke up mad, and she would not tell me that she was hungry. She didn't tell me that she was ever hangry. I had to learn it myself, and when I did, I made sure that girlfriend ate every morning, and our relationship actually got better. Now, how is that free will? Because you have to eat. You can't skip meals, and at the point where you start skipping meals, You change, right? You're not yourself when you're angry. Grab a Snickers, right? Isn't that the entire article? I'm sorry, the entire commercial? I know I'm getting close because I know I start talking about the Supreme Court at the end. Uh, The Supreme Court calls free will universal and persistent. Uh, So what does that mean? To take responsibility for an action. Yesterday I went to the market. I was clothed. I did not steal anything and I did not buy anchovies. To say that I was responsible for my behavior is simply to say that what I did was sufficient in keeping with my thoughts, intentions, beliefs, and desires to be considered an extension of them. If I had found myself in the market naked, intent upon stealing as many tins of anchovies as I could carry, my behavior would be totally out of character. I would feel I was not in my right mind, like in a fugue state, and that I was otherwise not responsible for my actions. Judgments of responsibility depend upon the overall complexion of one's mind, not on the metaphysics of mental cause and effect. Holy cow. In conclusion, (laughs) here's my closing thought. In that whole little paragraph I just got in saying, that was from Sam Harris's book, Free Will. Here's my conclusion. We can't make sense of free will in scientific terms while at the same time we really feel like we are the authors of our thoughts. But we are mistaken about our experience. Not only are we not as free as we think we are, we do feel as free as we think we do. Which means the illusion of free will that you have is itself an illusion. When you tell yourself you have free will and you actually don't, you're a compatibilist, what you're saying, where was my thought there? 
you're just doing that because you know that you don't yourself have free will. I'm now going to perform an experiment of free will for everyone to listen to. I will just, I, and I promise I'm doing this. I'm just going to start talking and whatever comes out of my mouth comes out of my mouth. Okay. Um, I'm sweating. I'm sweating a lot because I'm on the uh, second story of, uh, of my building. We have our, uh, we have our, my ear itches. We have our, well, what I call Oops All Topic studio on the second floor of our house. And even though the window's open, it's still very hot. Um, I'm really, like, every thought I have just comes down to I want to take a shower, I want to put conditioner in my hair, and I want to shave my beard, right? Because, and what, okay, end, end, end discussion. What did I talk about? I talked about my homeostasis. I talked about how hot it was, and I talked about my beard. Two things I can't control. It's unbelievable how little free will we have, okay? And yet, where did all that come from? Where did that discussion that I just had with myself about it being hot up in here <clears throat> and, 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 wanting to, and wanting to shave my beard... Where did that come from? It just came from darkness. I did not know I was going to talk about that. So how does this podcast end? It ends when I stop talking. When I say the oops, saw topic slogan, lose your fear, find your voice. But why do I stop? I stop because it might get to a point that it's painful to speak or that I'm hungry. We're having pork chops, pork chops and stuffing tonight. Sounds really delicious. Or I'm tired. Like, can you imagine if I just started talking? There would be a time where I, if I just continually kept, kept talking, I would eventually just fall asleep. Or much more likely, I just need to go to the bathroom, right? I need to shit. I need to stop this podcast right now and go take a big old dump. I'm just kidding. All those things. Where is the freedom in that? There is no freedom because you have no free will. And at the point where you realize that you have no free will and accept it, I think your life's going to be a lot better. And with that, I want to plug one thing. Um, a couple of episodes ago on the on the stream, you'll see Groundhog Hell. Me and Aaron successfully uh, did a podcast where we watched Groundhog Day and critiqued it, and it was super fun. My audio wasn't great, but Aaron's was fantastic, and it was so fun. And even though it's an hour and 45 minutes, if you find yourself with lots of time to like watch a movie, watch Groundhog Day, and listen to our podcast, Groundhog Hell, at the exact same time. And as I mentioned... It's my birthday this week. This is my birthday podcast. And I got to talk about things that I really wanted to talk about. Maybe I'll do the same next week or the next time I, I, I have a discussion, have a podcast. Uh, but I wanted to say that before I go, I just want to say that my favorite treat is a churro. All right. And I made a list of my favorite treats. And I put donuts on there and ice cream. I even put soda, no-bake cookies, white chocolate raspberry cheesecake, Nothing compares to a delicious churro, all right? So if you're listening to this, hop on Venmo, send me five bucks so I can buy a birthday churro. And with that, you're listening to Oops All Topics with Jason Edgar, part of the Oops All Topic Network. Follow or DM me on Twitter or Instagram at the Jedgar. Follow, share, or download the show at oopsalltopics.podme.com. 
and subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. And as always, even though you don't have free will, please be sure to lose your fear and find your voice.